Thunder Media. On this episode of Inside Motorsport, we catch up with a man who spent most of his motor racing career over in the United States. Andrew Dickerson, who works for Richard Shoulders Racing, joins us in this first part of an interview we'll have over the next few weeks. I hope you'll stay with us. Well, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're at the Adelaide 500, and we're joined by a man who has made his return to this paddock not under sufferance, not under any obligation, because he's travelling with his boss now, Richard Childress. This is Andrew Dickerson, who had a history in supercars. Tell us about your history to start with. I started my career here back with Terry Wyhoon in 2001. Worked with him for four or five or six years. Um, got my degree and then, yeah, decided I wanted to go see the other side of the world and go race in the United States, which originally, honestly, was a two-year plan. I got a two-year visa. I'm like, I'm just going to go see a little bit of the world and come back. And here we are 16 years later, still, still living the American dream. So it's, it's, it's been surreal, especially this last week, flying back with Richard Childress. Like it's, I'm still pinching myself that the, how is this actually happening? Okay, you've, come a long way. you've added to your life, of course, because now you've got a wife and child. Yes. And so those were things you didn't take with you. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. So you're, you married a good old girl over there. Yes. Um, her name is Annie. Right. Annie, and I have three-year-old little Elena. Okay. And they come. She comes from where? Your wife. Uh, she's born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. So that's your hometown now. Right now it is. Yeah. It, it, it'd take a lot to move back here. Um, I got a lot going on over there, but it's it's good. I feel good now because we've got such an interaction between these Erebus guys and, and what, what we're doing at RCR that I don't, it doesn't feel like you're as far away from home. Okay. All right. Let's go back to when you started, your, your days, you aspired to, where did you first see motorsport? Where did you first have contact with it? Honestly, just watching Craig Lowndes for the eight, drive for the HRT team, just kicking everyone's ass. Like, I didn't have a motorsport background from my family or anything like that. I just love cars and I love racing cars like not so not driving them just working on them um but i had no real knowledge of how to kind of get into it or, or you know start my career there so uh, once i got started my degree I, I sent a letter to every single team within probably a 200 mile radius of, of melbourne and terry was the only one that wrote back to me and Okay, so all right, let's go down there and start sweeping the floors this I, 2005 and no, this is 2001 like i started before like as I was as I was studying I was doing this kind of at the same time um, and then it would take me to my first race weekend I was like I'm cooking the breakfast for everybody but then all of a sudden stuff starts going wrong like motors start blowing up and all this kind of stuff so you get thrown in the deep end so all of a sudden now you're actually doing work so you're actually learning stuff which was cool had you done any mechanical sort of work before I had yeah I had started an apprenticeship to be just a regular mechanic um, a few years prior to that and just realized pretty quickly that that wasn't for me Changing oil wasn't for me. I needed something a little bit more. But if you wanted to get in racing, you needed a degree. So I had to get the degree lined up and get, figure out how to do that. And then this was how I was going to get my experience to then get a job at the end of it. That's kind and, of my plan. And you were working with Terry. Mm -hmm. You were doing a degree and working a bar, a bar to get money. money. Save up money, yeah. Because I didn't, I want, I didn't want to Terry to feel pressure to have to pay me because at that time like he had did not have a lot so like I wanted to be able to go there for 10 hours a day and do whatever I wanted like tear a gearbox apart or build the rear end and not 
if he's if he's paying me two hundred dollars a day, then he's going to want me to sweep the floors and do actual stuff. If, but if he's not paying me, he's more inclined to you know teach me some stuff along the way. So I enjoy actually I really enjoyed it working in the bar. is completely different. It's different stories that there. Um, but that was, that was kind of the way I approached it. I didn't see the benefit in taking money from him at that point in time. I still don't with him. And of course, he's running in the Conica series then. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and Terry was uh, back end of the top ten. At that time, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he, he. I came in right when he made probably a couple of poor decisions on which ch- chassis he bought um, that had nothing but problems and put him into real financial pressure on him and his uh, first marriage. Um, and that kind of fell apart. And then it was just it was tough for him for a couple of years there. It just coincided with my first first year in racing. Terry always said if the Thunderdome didn't close down, he would never have touched no. supercars. So did it. did he engender an, an interest in NASCAR Maybe. in you? Maybe indirectly. Like just, I would he would talk about old stories and you see all the posters on the wall. And then, then I started watching like the Daytona 500, watching these races that were on at random times on Foxtel back in the day. And like, you're seeing 200,000 people like, this, this shit, these people are crazy holy shit How did it, and they just got intrigued by it like I wasn't never didn't know much about oval track racing and kind of that was a part of the world that intrigued me I'd never I'd been to Europe before but I'd never been to, to America so the more and more I thought about it the, it was like do you go the path of the open wheel cars to Europe or do you want to stock cars something that appeals to me and no one at that time was do, wanted to do stock cars like from Australia like there's no one going over there so I'm like all right let's go over there (laughs) and that's kind of how it started and a NASCAR event is the exact reverse when you when you go to an event like that you see or you go to an event in Australia all the people you know they're in the corporates and they're in the stands Mm -hmm. and the crazy guys are the guys camping it's a completely opposite way around it's all like the normal people are camping and all the crazy people are standing up in the stands it depends which tracks you go to there's some pretty crazy infields out there let me tell you michigan talladega to name a couple (laughs) when you're learning the game in in that conica series um did terry talk about nascar much with you yeah we talked about racing we talked just talked all the time like I, i mean i ended up staying in their house three four days a week so i kind of became kind of family and then now Ryan who's Terry's uh, little boy is my godson so I feel like Terry's as close to Terry and Dinah as close to family as, as I have um, so we got really close through that period of time and, and it, even when when I moved to the states remained so they came would try and come every year or every other year it was um, we've always stayed in contact my only experience um, of NASCAR was going to Motegi in 99 when there were six cars went there Terry was one of them yep along with Kim Jane and John Sidney and a bunch of guys. And I, I was doing race facts, and I remember vividly the day, and these are Winston West guys, so yeah. this isn't main game, and I'm not illusion, you know, this is... They Brendan were t- Gorm was, I looked at that entry list the other day, Brendan Gorm was racing, Andy Houston, who was Austin Dillon's spotter for a long time, I know Andy pretty well, it's, okay. it's crazy to see that entry list, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. Yeah, I, I was absolutely wrapped when I did my f- second edition of Race Facts over there because Bob was trying to re-energise the Thunderdome. It was one last chance, let's yep. give it a go sort of thing. And so I was sending Race Facts from Motegi, Japan, back to the Australian media. Yep. I so vividly remember it when one of the American crews, hey, where's my copy of Race Facts? It was like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. That's cool. and it was, it was. It just, <laughs> it made my day because... It's a very different racing world you live in now. Mm-hmm. So different to this and what you'd got used to. Tell us about the comparison between the two, please. Um, I mean, ours 
is very full on. Our season starts in probably February 20th and ends start of November. So it's 36 week, 36 races over about 38 week period. So it's pretty intense and it's it's got to be efficient. You've got to get in, get out and get to the next one. It's just it's it's a well-oiled machine in just terms of the logistics of it. Um, here at you're only traveling 12 weekends a year. The, the, that, that side of it can be a little bit slower. You have these setup days, and, and just the, the pace is a little bit slower from that point of view, whereas NASCAR is just very efficient with their time. That, that's the first thing that steps out. Now, um, the racing is obviously different, but there are a lot of similarities too. Like these cars now, with this new generation car of NASCAR and supercars, they're very, very similar. They're really, really similar. I don't, it looks like they copied each other, honestly. The NASCAR is a uh, beefed up version of the of what they have here today. And one of the big things is you've got a rolling program of cars. Like these guys cannot afford to have the number of cars right. rolling chassis right. with engines ready to drop in. But you'll be at a track and you will have the next maybe two races prepped. Well, that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to move to the States because I wanted to have access to the best engineering tools. Like we don't have a wind tunnel in Australia. We don't have the level of technology simulation that they have overseas. So that's part of the reason that attracted to me that I'd be exposed to more stuff like that. And then racing every weekend, get exposed to more racing. So in the end, I felt like I'd be in a better place engineering wise. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a population, right? You don't have the commercial dollars here with 25 million people, whereas America's 350, whatever it is, it's, our budgets are ridiculously different. More from Andrew Dixon on next week's program. Until then, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.